0: Welcome back to the Working Audio Tools podcast with myself, Ed Thorne, and fellow YouTuber, Paul Third, where we interview audio industry professionals, pick their brains about what makes them tick and what they look for in mix engineers. We also compare and constructively critique each other's mixes on tracks that we find, some from the Produce Like a Pro Academy library of multi-tracks and others from artists that we know and feature on the podcast. But this week, we have something slightly different, In lieu of not getting a guest and in lieu of not having a mix, we are going to talk about something that is actually very relevant to me on on a lot of levels and relevant to the community, which is gas. Gear acquisition syndrome, uh, we've all had it at some point. We all think one piece of gear or a plugin is the mecca for our mixers and it's going to make us turn us into Spike Stun overnight. Um, But the reality is, it's just sadly, it's not quite the case. Now, I definitely fell into this trap when I went down the 500 series analog hybrid mixing rabbit hole. I bought loads of it uh, when I sold my live sound company and I had some cash to spare. And the, I, I had ideas for what I was going to use it for, but I didn't quite know enough about it to, real, to understand how I was going to use it. I have since settled on a format and a workflow that I think works well for me and I enjoy And more importantly, it's easily recallable because I'm recalling stuff, you know, a couple of times a day at the moment. But I have a good system for that courtesy of the Flock Audio patch on my phone where I can take pictures of what I'm doing, save it to the Flock Audio patch, use their bridge plugin, which links to the Door session in Logic. I save their bridge plugin in there. And then it recalls all the Flock Audio digital patch routing for my 500 series gear. For those of you who aren't into that, Check out the Flock audio patch. Uh, They're not sponsoring this episode. I wish they would. (laughs) Uh, I wish they'd sponsor it in gear because the upgrade from what I've got is £9,000. Oh, my God. So uh, I keep keep asking Darren nicely. (laughs) He keeps saying that. But what I realized very quickly about the 500 series gear is it's not about the gear. It's not that analog, in my opinion, in some cases sounds better than plugins. In some cases, analog can't do what plugins can do. It is 100% how you use it. And the tools. That's what she said. Over to Paul Third. Look, I think we've got to be realistic with one another, right? I've got to be realistic
1: with everybody watching this. Now, what I've realised, and it, it pains me, it kills me. I'm I'm, Scot- I'm Scottish, right? We're tight, super tight. But, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, a lot of the times you've got to look the part as well as sanding the part. And you know Instagram and you know stuff like that has kind of you know created this need for looking you know better than you may or, you may seem, and sometimes you know you just kind of have to go out and invest in yourself, and you do have to buy the odd piece of analog equipment, or it could be I don't I don't want to say a, a console, or it could just be like a fader port sixteen, you know, like what I've got, or just a five hundred series rack of a few preamps because you know what I've learned with this studio um, and it it kills me because I don't want to buy a Neumann U87 but everybody I've spoken to so far because I'm speaking to people that have worked in other studios and been signed and a few big artists one of the first things they say to me is so do you have any Neumanns? I'm like no but I've got this I've got the Lauten. I've got this I've got that I've got the Austrian Audio OC 818 yeah but do you have any Neumanns? I'm like No, I don't have a Neumann. Yeah, it's just just because it's got to be a Neumann, mate. U eighty sevens, mate. Vocals, U eighty sevens. Have you have you got a ten seventy three? Yeah, I do have a ten seventy three. Yeah, yeah. Is it a real one? No, it's it's not a real one, but it's as close to the real deal as you can get. Right, okay. Have you got a cl one b? I'm off. No, okay. So then you, you you've got a point. You you get to kind of a point where you've got this struggle of. What's the kind of accepted industry standard that the artists ex- expect because they see it, um, you know, in these big studios, or if they're big enough, then they've worked, you know, they've went through Neve pre's, they've went through CL one Bs, they've went maybe through SSLs and Neve consoles and stuff like that. So it is very hard, but I think what you've got to do is you've kind of got to. Be realistic and understand that you're not going to be able to afford that <laughs> um and you know really you'll only invest in this stuff if you really really truly think that you're going to be doing this as a like a full-time profession if you're a hobbyist yeah like do what you want fill your boots but like don't go spunking money on something that's you know it's not going to be any any good to you um i want to kind of bring this back to ed and you know obviously you've went through a massive a really bad bit of gas. It's stinking <laughs> down an Edge Studio. The amount of gas that's going on down there, my God! You've start. You've got a 500 series. You've now got PSIs with the sub. You've now got Trenov in there. You've even got rack mount analog gear. You've got a ton, of, a ton of mics. As well, not not that you you bought <laughs> a lot of those mics. The benefits of being YouTubers, especially Ed, and when it comes to interfaces as well, it doesn't pay for any interface these days. What I've just said, how has that resonated to you? Have you went through this? Are you going through this, or do you think that I'm maybe being talking a, talking a little bit of bullshit?
0: I wanted to get into analog gear because I wanted to learn the gear. I wanted to learn why these certain pieces are so revered. So I got a couple of Neve 1073 preamps. Admittedly. The LBs, the purists, will tell me that they don't sound the same because they're not, they they're not the vintage. Power. They're
1: not vintage. You've not got Cornhill Transformers in them. No, no. What is it? No, the Mariners, Mariners. The Mariners. Mariners. The well,
0: well, that's not not true. They do have Mariners oh, Transformers right, okay. in so them. So is it the Cutter? The Clones yeah. don't have Mariners because that is a Neve them. Yeah, mine's just got Cornhills um, in them. Eh? So I wanted to learn the gear, and I've run some of it through Plug-in Doctor to learn how it's responding and how wide the curves are. But I, I, it's just for me, it's just a learning curve and I get so much joy out of learning. And YouTube is a fantastic way of learning because you get very quickly told if you've done something wrong in a video or you get told of other ways you could do stuff or better ways and questioned why you've done certain things and you have to have an answer. So you're always learning. You have to fill in those gaps of, of the knowledge base. I didn't go to audio college like Paul did. so going from live sound where I basically learned on the job and learned by asking everyone I know questions, which I do endorse that way of learning um, because experience is more realistic than, you know, learning physics to know, learn how to turn on a preamp. I get there's a use for that in high-end studios, but not in mine. And just learning makes, makes my life interesting, varied, and enjoyable. With regards to gas, I feel like I might be at the end of it. There's only one thing really I can think of as soon as I bought the PSI speakers, I had distributors coming out the woodwork being like, you need better converters now. Oh, for God's Your sake. X16's Here crap. Here we <laughs> go. I like, Here we go. I, I was like, right, okay, well, hang on. From the X6, the X16 has better conversion, and you can hear it in the top end. In regards to the rest of it, I'm sure there are better converters. But to get any better, you've got to be spending say three conservatively for a designated converter up to five and if not seven and unfortunately for me i do have expensive taste and i've also had the pleasure of um, befriending uh paul mortimer from emerging emerging uk who retail and uh, distribute sorry psi speakers and trinov which we'll get onto in a moment but they also distribute merging audio and by all accounts those are some of the best converters out there and we priced up what I would need to replace the X16, and it came in at seven thousand pounds, which yes. I no. am definitely seven thousand pounds away from affording at the moment. Having spent, having just bought this, no, that's gas. That's you serious gas. Earlier. My God, fuck sake! That it's well, pisses well, me off. The thing is, at that point, at that point, I will put my hand up and say my studio is far better than I need and far better than I can justify. But I was in a position where I don't have a mortgage, I don't have kids, I sold a business, and I could afford to put this into the next phase of my life and my career so I, and i wanted to do it and, and i just love this stuff but the pièce de resistance paul is uh is trinov the new trinov nova is out the room correction soft computer on steroids it destroys Sonarworks and it makes the neumann ma1 look like ableton compared to <laughs> pro tools or logic
1: oh easy um, easy let's
0: not mention pro tools <laughs> on this channel <laughs> fucking hell oh oh. um but what it's done is is a i've had to get used to using the subs stereo subs versus one sub there'll be a video coming out about that because that's quite an interesting difference and trinov is just blowing my mind in initially we turned it on with paul who set it up for me and i hated it it was it was horrible and stuff sounds too bright and and things just didn't sound natural, but then you listen to it for a few minutes and then you take it off and you can hear the room influence. But I know the room, so that wasn't what bothered me, but you can hear the phasing coherence. Now, bear in mind, these PSIs are near flawlessly phase aligned within themselves. Just a micro movement and position difference between them. And you've got phasing consistencies with uh, speakers, much like if you have one headphone forward and one headphone back, you're going to get an odd mix in your ears just as if you move them back or forward you get more or less low end and top end i've had to go through some old mixes of mine and, and this has been I, t- I took a load of mixers off my website today because they sounded shocking <laughs> and i am listening to stuff now very confident things will translate although i did send something to m earlier and he said nah, it's not enough bass but that might be a stylistic thing he's mixing right okay heavy heavy kind of Hip hop, pop stuff, and I was mixing a rock track that isn't quite so bass heavy. So I think it was maybe somewhere in, the, in in between. But Trinov enables me, to, you know, to cr- uh, choose the crossover point uh, between the subs and the speakers, which is interesting. Different uh, filter slopes. So I'm trying to find a balance, which I think I've found. Crossover at 62 hertz, 24 decibels per octave shelf, and I had it at plus two sent the mix to M and he said, not enough bass. So I took them down back to zero at dB. So they're not getting boosted. So it's what Trinov thinks is right in the room. And I think it's working, but then I had a mix today going through Ozone and it said too much bass. I was like, oh, oh fuck
1: for Ozone to say too much bass, my God. Yeah,
0: so, <laughs> so it, it's a balancing act. And I just got to a good place with the PSIs and the MA1 system through the Neumann Sub where I was like, okay, Like last week's mix, I thought, do you know what? I'm in a good place here, and then I've ruined it for myself again. So gear acquisition does come with its perils. Now, Trinov, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sell it because already I can hear how things are going to translate better. I'm hearing more stuff than I need to, and I was hearing more stuff than I needed to when I got the PSIs. So there may be hurdles in this process, but I feel like I'm at the end of my gas journey. I'm definitely at the end of it financially. DistroKids sponsors the Working Audio Tools podcast and 30% off your first year subscription can be found in the podcast show notes and the YouTube video description. HyperFollow is the easiest way to place all of your content in one single place, making finding all of your content super easy for your audience. Upload artwork for your release, edit the information and apply links to all of the streaming platforms your music is going to be available, which of course on DistroKid is potentially all of them that exist now and even in the future. Add social media buttons so your audience can find you and your latest music video. Creating a beautiful landing page with a preview of your music is easy with Hyperfollow. Hyperfollow links can be created for all of your releases and it enables you to create pre save links Your audience to pre-order your music before it's released. This link is shareable on all of your platforms and a great way to promote your next release. Only with DistroKid. Now, on the converter topic, there is no way I would advise anybody on
1: spending the amount of money that people do spend on converters. It's ridiculous. And I want to use this kind of, and it is a fact, right? If you speak to people in industry, they'll tell you that. If we think about the eighties, the nineties, and the noughties, right? If you speak to people in the industry, they'll they will tell you that something like an like an Audience, right? So say like an ID 14 Mark II or like an Evo SPA or like an Evo sixteen, they will tell you that the converters in the Audience surpasses a lot of the fucking like expensive converters that were getting used in the eighties and the nineties and the noughties but like we we will still listen to those mixes from the 80s the 90s and the noughties and we will go yeah wow those mixes sound absolutely amazing ed's mentions it quite a lot it's um diminishing returns right so if it was good enough in the 80s and the 90s and the noughties how why why is it not good enough now why do we need to spend so much money on something that isn't going to be in the final mix for example, right, I could um mix a record on an on an audience or a focus right scarlet, right? The DAC is what you hear coming out of your speakers or your headphones, right? It doesn't imprint any sound unless you were to do like a loopback. back. Like what people used to do with the Lavery Golds, they would do a loopback. back. So you would actually put the mix through the converter. Um but you know, what Ed's talking about here is what people are saying to buy thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds for expensive converters so you can get an, a tiny, tiny, tiny little improvement through your monitoring. So it's what you hear. But
0: if you, but also routing your analog gear in and out, mm, which takes a the conversion stage each way. Yeah, it's a lot of bullshit. Like I've done ADC tests and look, the thing is with ADC converters, right,
1: is that analog to digital converters, there is no transparent converter on the market. It doesn't exist. There is nothing that's going to completely null. Every pass-through, there is a slight 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 change in the sound whether you could hear it or not is very very debatable when i did my null tests and i'm going to do another one i'm going to do it with the Audion SPA, the evo the apollo x6 and three of the converters that are on access analog do a look back on pink noise and we're going to measure the null to actually see how transparent they are and actually you know, the null if the null is audible enough say if it's like minus 60 minus 50 minus 40 uh, uh, DBFS. There's going to be something audible in there. What it is, I'm going to try and see. Get to the bottom of it. So that every every single converter has a kind of sound to it. You've got certain things like the barrels that are meant to sound like tape. They add a little bit of saturation in there. For when it comes to like ADC, my God, there's you're, like well, from what I measured back in the day, the Audion ID44 was just as transparent. Is like a three grand uh, Lynx Aurora. I think there was like a difference of three dB, and we're talking like minus 55 or minus 60 dBFS of a null, which is barely audible, right? We're talking a, a very, very, very small differences that most people won't be able to hear. So like the ADC differences are, are minute, they're minuscule, right? And there is no such thing as a transparent converter. It doesn't exist. Um, And in terms of the DAC, if you could mix a good record and you know your system, for example, right, I would argue that the speakers are more important than the DAC. As much as I kind of talk about, you know, on my channel, a DAC being a bottleneck, and it is a bottleneck to an extent, the quality of conversion in regards to price. uh, Like I've got a a topping uh, DX7 Pro Plus measures impeccably well, measures like arguably better than some of the best converters on the market. And it's like 700 to 800 pound. I can hear a difference when I'm listening on my headphones. But at the end of the day, like there's been tons of records where people have used stuff like Apollos and, you know, use really, really good speakers through them and they've managed to mix absolutely fine. I mean, if we're going to sit here and say that you cannot mix on a, on a pair of say seven, nine grand speakers Through um, an Evo sixteen or like an Apollo or like a decent you know duck, you're you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. Like the difference is so unbelievably tiny. I mean, you're and this is the thing with gas is that you get used to it, right? And you get used to the. I call it a little. It's a little bit of elitism in gas, right? Let's not hide from it. there is elitism, right? When it comes to a lot of gas, Hmm. right? People buy stuff because it makes them look more professional. It makes them go, yeah, but I'm I'm putting your mix through this six grand piece of equipment you know what i mean when you think about like a manly varimu like i i took two manly varimus with acoustica magenta both times i got them identical people were failing the blind test fucking like left right and center and i did it on two separate manly varimus channel viewer actually like sent me the files and were like i can't get magenta to sound as close as my manly varimu he gave me the original uh, master or like the, the bumps or whatever unprocessed and processed and gave me a sentence. And then, because I knew how to use the plugin and how to work the plugin in Magenta and how to get it to sound like the hardware and how to tweak it properly, I managed to get it near identical. And I was sitting there to him going privately, I was like, mate, I've just like, sell it. Why do you need it? You can make easily get yourself like two, three grand back. And then he was just like, yeah, I know, but it. it looks good, doesn't it? And like, <laughs> and he was like, clients actually, again, it's like they do like it. They come in and go, oh, that's free grand automatically. It's all, look, the thing about gas is it's all, um, psychological bullshit right it's all these tactics that manufacturers use and a good example is me and ed were speaking about bart huck um if you don't know bart huck he makes lots of um, affordable 500 series gear now it's amazing how clean with the active transformers that he uses and a lot of this his stuff that sounds way way more expensive than it actually is and me and it's crazy that me and Ed were both sitting there, sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe Bart is actually pricing his stuff too cheap. Which is absolutely crazy. But it's because we live in a world where things are valued on how expensive they are. Well, if it costs one if it costs two grand and that costs five hundred quid, and the two the two grand one is obviously going to be better, isn't it? That's the way that people think. And that is the thing about gas, is that we let people get into our heads, we think about what other engineers have used like you got to remember that like back in the days with Araby and stuff where they had all the gear you would want in these big consoles, they were getting artists through the door and big artists every single week, every day. You imagine the amount of money that place was taking in, and then you even just think about the write-offs, the tax write-offs that they would have been able to have as well. And that's the thing when I speak to a lot of businesses and a lot of mixers, I'm like, how do you how do you justify that? And they're just like expenses Paul like, so do you think I'm just going to sit there and pay a couple of grand on my, on my tax when I can just sit there and go oh I'll just invest back in the studio and they'll just buy certain things that you know they, they might not even use they might use it every so often but it does look good and, and I'm not going to deny that you know my studio does look better now I've got this, that one rack of 500 series in um, and when I get there you go Paul third is officially hybrid Yeah, and I'm going to get a second one because again it's the hey. problem is with gas is that you know you're like well, I've now <laughs> I've now got that empty rack on my on my desk, so I'm like, well, I need to fill it because obviously, you know, it looks stupid now because it needs. To, and then it's like, oh, have I have the two sides? We have to tell
0: us what you're going to get, don't you?
1: Um, uh, probably more Bart Herc stuff because the great thing about Bart is that we've got a little relationship with him, and um, he likes to send me and Ed stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, I'll stick with you, Bart. Um, I actually do use his diode bridge compressor. I use it on every mix I do for the, um now since I've got it I think I've used it on the past three or four mixes. Um but you know a I, lot of
0: stereo or individual channels? stereo
1: because he's got the stereo cable that's quite good. Yeah. Um so again it, it gives you more of a consistent voltage going into left and right. And it sounds great and I love the vintage mode cuz it adds in those odd um harmonics which is very similar to what a lot of the diode bridge stuff like the Neve stuff used to do. But it's got its own kind of sound. I really like it.
0: Just quickly, for, for anyone into 500 Series gear, and if you haven't checked out HRK, they're a Polish company. Bart used to work for Focusrite mm-hmm. and Neve, And he is an absolute circuit board oh, genius. Oh, yeah, he is. Totally. And in my opinion, he should be charging double to triple what he's charging yep. for, for what he's putting out. But that's crazy that we yeah. have to think like that. We should be sitting
1: there going, Bart, well done. But because we are sitting there thinking like the way that the the industry works and the way that consumerism works. It's like he could probably easily sell like that stuff for more. And, and it's crazy that it kind of devalues his product just because he's doing it a little bit cheaper because we've got this thing where you get what you pay for when it's bullshit. You know, it's like headphone amps and me and Ed were speaking about this like a couple of weeks ago and I was telling him about, you know, how, the Rupert Neve headphone amp and the SPL phoneter, they measure terribly and again, you know, people will say, yeah, it's not all about measurements, it's about your ears, but you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to stuff like amplifiers, right, it's like, of course like, the measurements do matter you've got noise levels, you've got distortion levels you've got crosstalk, you've got jitter um, if it's a DAC, you know what I mean, and uh, you've got a linear frequency response obviously if it's a headphone amp you want to make sure that you've got enough juice for it and when it is driving like uh, headphones with low sensitivity you want to have the lowest amount of distortion possible um, and you want to ensure that when you are driving those cans that your linear frequency response is linear as possible but unfortunately you know a lot of these kind of headphone amps they don't measure that well and they're not worth the money but because they've got the prestige they've got the brand they've got the elitism people buy it and i think that's what's uh kind of hark back to the Neumann thing. Like, I don't think I need a Neumann U87 in my studio. Like, I think that I've got the Atlantis, especially the Austrian Audio OC eight one eight. It's sound like, that thing sounds incredible. Ed told me about it at NAM,
0: and that thing sounds really, really good. Like I've not I've not heard the vintage C414. I would take an Austrian audio any day. I think yeah. Austrian audio are the best all-round microphone company at the mm. moment. But it's but it's just so frustrating to me that because um neumann
1: has the prestigious i am I, sitting there thinking at some point am i going to have to pay 1400 pound you know for a u87 ai just so i could have it and in the, the studio? rest and the rest i know don't even start again
0: the reality is though with the neumann on female vocals it is one of the best mics. no i'm not denying it's a great
1: sounding mic but the, the thing is that tech microphones have came that far that you know, there's more out
0: there than a fucking U eighty seven. I I get it. I've I've used the U. There are and there are there are a lot of microphones, but I don't know if this is. Maybe you guys can listening can leave a comment about this. But it seems to be my perception that for female vocals, it's still the Neumann eighty seven, but male vocals could be any microphone these days. It's just subject to what works for your voice. I mean, I've I've tried a three thousand pound microphone on my voice this month. It didn't work. My twelve hundred euros, or in a sale six hundred euro, Jay Z mic, still the one, still the one. Or actually, the Warm Audio. People are going to hate me for this. The CX12 is a fucking great clone, great mic. Sounds amazing on my voice. Not a three grand mic, not a Neumann, but for for, for girls, in, at least the mics I've tried in my studio, U87. But it's not going to fit every single female vocal, is it? That's what I try and tell people. Is that I get no, but it seems to fit more that seems to fit more female vocalists than, A, more than, I think it's a female vocal mic rather than a male vocal mic. Right, okay. In my experience. But it seems to fit more singers than any one mic fits more male singers, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I get what you're saying. Um, And again, I'm not denying how good Neumann's sound. I've used them, but again, I don't like it on my voice. And I remember I've used it in, when I was at Adam Smith, you know, I mean, we had a few Neumann's and we had the AKG's and we had lots and lots of great mics. But you know, I learned very quickly that you know the Neumann doesn't suit every single voice, um, and it frustrates me that my studio will almost kind of be, you know, on how you know pro the studio is is going to be in terms of the gear that I own. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, some of these microphones here are absolutely awesome. They're it's you know it's taking you know the inspiration from say you know the the build quality of Neumann. But then, like, moving forward and doing their own thing, like, Loughton, like, they all, like, Loughton, every Loughton mic has its own sim. It's got its own character. It's not trying to be transparent like the OC818. You know what I mean? It's got, it's, they've all got their own character, and there's lots and there's tons, Jay-Z, for example, I think, again, they've got a lot of great Simden mics as well, and I think it's, I, I would much rather go for quantity over quality a lot of the time. Like, I would much rather have, you know, um, 10 mics rather than have 2 awesome mics you know because again you might get to a point where the U87 doesn't work on a singer or again you might then have a vintage C414 and that doesn't work when actually you would maybe get like um, the Lauten Atlantis and it would work perfect I would much rather have somebody say wow you've actually got tons of options here instead of just being like oh yeah but you've not got Neumann's he's not as proud and I'm like you could have a Neumann and not know what to do with it You could, again you could Uh, There's, there's been. Think about Billy Eilish, for example, right? Uh, Okay, different story now because I know he's using the really expensive mic. Can't remember what what it's called, the Chandler. I think he's using the Chandler Red. But I mean, if you think about the first album, that first album that went fucking platinum, right? One Grammys was done through. um, I think it was an Audio Technica mic, and I think it was an Apollo, and and Billy's voice still sounded amazing. You know what I mean? it, It shouldn't. It shouldn't stop you from making music. It shouldn't stop you from feeling that you 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 can't release a record or this shit about you know you're not as pro because you don't have a really expensive piece of kit. And that to me is the crutch of gas. And once you've got one, it's kind of like yeah, oh, but I need to get another one. I need to get another one. And it's like you kind. Of, I kind of feel like many people lean on this kind of ego um, of gear. It's like it's an egotistical thing to have the U eighty seven. You know, to have all the gear, to have like a vintage LA-2A, to have vintage uh, 1176s, to have an SSL desk. You know what I mean?
0: Where it's Okay, I'll t- tell you what though. I'm going to throw you a spanner right, okay. Because if there were two studios in your town, your village in Scotland, and they were the same price, and the average customer who has no idea what a Loudon is, no idea what a Luit is, no idea what a Jay-Z or an Austrian audio is, but knows what a U87 is and knows what a Neve preamp is, which studio are they going to go to to record vocals if they don't know any better? But they see one studio has that vocal chain and one has a load. They're always mic- going. They're always mic- going to choose the U eighty seven, and that's what I'm saying. That's so, what I. So is it worth, sadly, from a from a, a commercial point of view, with your studio, getting the killer vocal chain that you will probably use every time? I mean, I don't track without my Neve anymore, mm-hmm. ever. Just why wouldn't I? Why would I use anything else? I've tried other preamps. Interfaces don't come close to it. I've done the tests. So I'm going to use that all the time. If I had a if, I, if a U87 was my vocal mic, I would use that all the time. I try, like with the jay v V67, I try other mics. I come back to the V67 every time. So is it worth having in your arsenal anyway? And then you can also appease the the more conscientious client who does know what they're talking about. And if you want to get into the nitty gritty of... Well, uh, the Lowton has an extra large, ultra large diaphragm, which uh, gives increased bass response and uh, reduces proximity effect. You can nerd out on that stuff if they get it, but the average person is not gonna give a flying fart. Yeah, but
1: then is that not just so so sad that we live in this world where artists, you know, only know a very short. They only have like a very like small, minimal picture of what a studio should look like. And, you know, I'm sitting here. It is. It's sad. You
0: have the opportunity to educate them by getting them mm-hmm. in. So you, you could do this on YouTube. You could do the comparisons on YouTube. You could say, take the U87 and I'll raise you this. Yeah, but... What's better about this? What's better about that? And you could do it in the studio if you could be bothered. You could try different mics. Look, actually, I know you want this mic, but just hear this one on your voice. I think that'll be better. So again... Having the gear is one thing. Knowing your gear, having the tools to use your gear, the skills, I mean, uh, is far better than not having the gear. Yeah, but I just <laughs> I know what it is. You know what it's I, mean?
1: just, I know what, mate, it's just shit. And I feel for people, you know, I feel for a lot of the people that will watch this channel, or again, young people that are starting up, you know, wanting to be, you know, mix engineers and stuff, knowing that they're going to have to invest in stuff, you know, when they already you know, could be able to get killer vocals and get killer recordings and mix completely in the box on headphones and, you know, kind of compete. It's a shame that we need to invest in such superficial shit. As much as Neumann's are great, and I get it, and again, I'm not denying that your PSIs will sound awesome, you know what I mean? But there is this element of we need to, you know, invest in ourselves to be at a level of pro. It's almost like for me that there is a cost to be pro, you know what I mean. It's like being good at your craft isn't enough. It's almost like to get, you know, to get a ticket for the bus. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll let you on the bus, but you're gonna to have to pay fucking ten grand for your ticket, and that ticket's gonna get you this, that, 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 um, and it's it just, it's just a shame. And I just think that I thought society was gonna get a little bit better, and I thought
0: gas was gonna get a little bit you know, more deflated. Oh, do you mean you have faith in the human race? Boy? I know, I know. I like to think... You <laughs> must live in a tiny village. Live in London for a year and you'll have no fucking faith That's very in true. No,
1: I think that's a good point Ed's made there because Ed lives, and again, very much like when we were in LA. You know what I mean? Like LA studios all kind of seemed to have the same staple. You know what I mean? Um, a CL1B, yep. 1073, 1176. You know what I mean? They all kind of had the same staple. Then um, again, a lot of them kind of do use the same speakers as well, or the same converters, and it does seem to be a thing where there's like a bar set, and that kind of creates industry standards. Yeah, yeah, and I hate that term, industry standard, because we have guys like you know Andres, who you know is a great example of a guy that works full time out of his studio, and you know he bought a Telefunken because he really wanted to have like a really good mic,
0: but he bought the TF yeah, series.
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know he's he's got the Dynaudio speakers and. He's recording artists, you know, like every week. You know what I mean? That's his full-time job. Anyway, he's not invested in the money that these guys in London and Ellie have, but he's still going out there living the dream and, you know, making music, mixing music. And you know what I mean? And I think that he's a sign that, to me, that you can do it and you don't need to spend it. And I would still class Andrus as a professional because he's doing it full-time. And I think that, to me, is what a professional is. Um, I think what we need to be able to sort out in regards to like people thinking they need to spend money for stuff is there's a difference between professional and industry professional. If you want to be an industry professional, then yes, you're probably going to have to invest and you're going to have to buy certain things to kind of follow the trend. It is what it is. But I mean, if you don't have it, then you could still be a professional. For me, a professional is somebody that gets paid for a living doing whatever they're doing. Yeah, you know I mean?
0: And Andrus is a great yeah. example because he is very good at what he yeah. does. And his studio is up in Kendall in the Lake District mm-hmm. for anyone who's interested. Lovely guy. And he, he's, a, he's a great example of skills come first. You don't need the gear if you've got the skills. However, the gear is fun. The gear makes your life enjoyable. And if you get nerdy, like yourself, Paul, and myself and MSM, you hone in on the weakest link in the chain. And gear acquisition syndrome for me is constantly upcycling and improving and updating the weakest link in the chain to the point where I've said this on my channel for years. I always want that to be me. My ears are the weakest link in my chain now. I don't need a better converter than that. I've got bigger problems in my room, even with Trinov, and bigger problems with my hearing then I'm going to get benefiting out of any kind of better converter. But it's, it's taken it to that nth degree, you know, from an educational point of view, in my case, I love having Trinov now and hearing every little phase in discrepancy. It's been driving me fucking nuts today. That is opening my ears to a whole other world of detail that I otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to. And that's going to make me a better engineer. So I'm happy with that. That for me is a worthwhile purchase. And if I can do better mixes that clients are happy with, then happy days. I won't say this on my channel, but I'll be honest on this one. I have definitely outspent my ability and client network and means to repay myself for all this. But like I said, I had the means. I had the financial fluidity and I just wanted to learn. Um, And my next five years of my life are dedicated to outgrowing this stuff. You know, in five years time, I'd like to think that I do need a better converter because I've, my ears have developed, my skills have developed to a point where that is the weakest link and it's not me anymore. And if I get to that point, happy days. We'll still be arguing about snare drum sounds at that point, but, <laughs> but who cares? Hopefully we'll be professionals by then. <laughs> Look, the most important thing
1: to solve gas right, is science. If you know how to use science and you know how to test things properly. I much
0: prefer opinions on Facebook to this point. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, <laughs> totally yeah because uh, opinions on facebook is you now is facts in case anybody knows right if somebody says it's <laughs> if somebody says it's better on facebook then it's real right it's fact right if you know how to use science correctly and you know how to test things correctly you will stop yourself spending so much money if you can do a test and you can blind test yourself like what streaky was talking about msm talks about it and again i talk about it a lot as well if you know how to level match things properly and do your tests and get the science involved you will find yourself not needing to buy as much as you need. For me, there are certain things that I buy because, yes, I agree, a 1073, yes. In terms of preamp, it does have a sound and I do prefer a 1073 over other preamps. I've um, got the Golden Age pre because I refused to pay for the Neve because they spent the time to take all the innards of it and get Carnhal Transformers, and for me, they've went a step further. They've got a high-pass filter in there, and they've got an air band in there as well. And, you know, I've got tests that were done in Sweden and, you know, you can't tell the difference between the two. I couldn't hear the difference and many other people couldn't either. So I can justify that purchase. So if anybody says, yeah, but it's not a knife, I'm like, look, it's a 1073. Is what it is, right? And and I can kind of move on from that. But, you know, I'll never be somebody that buys an LA-2A or an 1176 because I don't need it. I've got plugins that could do a comparable or, or or arguably a better job. Right? I know how to use plugins correctly to get the sim that you want. The whole thing about analog, look, at the end of the day, Serban, well, arguably the biggest mixer of all fucking time, right? Bar Bob Claremonton. But modern day, Serban, completely in the box, has been in the box for fucking decades, right? Jason Joshua was out of the box, was hybrid, now completely in the box. Dave Pensado was in Larrabee. Yeah, but
0: they're all getting no, this. No, 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 no. let me finish. Let, me, no, 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 no. let me finish.
1: Let me finish, right? <laughs> again, Dave Pensado, Dave Pensado mixed on an SSL console and he actually preferred his in-the-box mixes, his console mixes, right? Yes, right, many people are still hybrid, and yes, analog gear is fun, but what I want to make clear is that it's easier for me and Ed to talk about certain things, because we do have a privilege, i.e. in YouTube, right, there are certain things that we don't need to pay for, and we've got to accept that we are in a better position in many ways, You know, there's a lot of expensive things that we
0: don't have to pay for. Can I just chime in that these are not free items. These are on the proviso that we provide content for these goods. So we are paying for them with time. But yeah, yeah, if you have time like I do to be doing this, yeah, you can pump out videos in exchange for them products that improve your studio it is a very very privileged position to be in but as youtubers we have positioned ourselves in a position of authority and for want of a better word influence because i hate (laughs) that but as a result we have to know the gear Mm -hmm. and that involves using a lot of it and it's time consuming so it's not completely for free sorry but um, i'm
1: i'm just trying to bring it back to a lot of the people that will watch this that are starting out again you could be 18 19 and you'd you know, you don't have the money to even, you're probably lucky if you could buy a fucking £300 pair of headphones. You know what I mean? There's many people that I've seen in certain videos where I think, you know, Warren's talked about consumer grade stuff and he's like said, yeah, it's like $300 or something. And people have been like, yeah, I don't class like $300 as like fucking budget and affordable. You know what I mean? Like $300 isn't, I know people that contact me that, you know, are struggling to even have the money to buy a fucking audience ID fourteen or an audience or an Evo or something like that. So, I mean, it's it's. I just don't want people to feel that you know they're not going to get a career in audio unless they find magic money. You know what I mean? Because for a lot of people, again, the, the amount again, we don't need to tell people how much you spent on your speakers. You know what I mean? But it was a lot of money. But at the end of the day, not many people are going to be in as fortunate a position to that to be able to work as hard as you have you know, to be able to, know, to sell your live sound business and then have, you know, income that again, your videos as well as live
0: gigs, you know, and be able to. Yeah. Let's not pretend this purchase came out. Yeah, I know that. Came via some kind of fluke or kind of, you know what I mean? Handout. Fuck me. i work my ass off for that.
1: But what I'm trying to say is that there'll be people out there that aren't, in a say as a fortunate position where, you know, they're, they've, they've not got the opportunities to earn that amount of money. And again, they just. You know what I mean? It's difficult for a lot of people and I've been in that position, you know, I'm very fortunate now when I've got the studio and I got it for a great price, you know what I mean? And, I, and I've got all this great stuff and I have put a lot, a lot of money in the studio. My like my, my, wife is still sick. Like when I told her, like, oh, by the way, this is kind of how much we've spent so far. Like,
0: oh, you didn't have that conversation. Whoa, yeah, you I had to. It was <laughs> sore. Um, even the Atmos room. And- because you, you know that amount of money, that's how much you're going to have to spend on her flowers and Tell holidays that. I know next Tell year me. I know I can <laughs> yeah yeah she, remember because well, we'll be 10 years
1: um, married next year she was like yeah we want to go to congratulations we want to go to Hawaii on 10 years I'm like well your husband needs a fucking studio right so, <laughs> so sorry we've got a butlins or something like that right we'll have a great time there, right? I promise love love you right
0: They might do a Hawaiian night. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. It's a good thing. Just, you know what? We'll just go around to the
0: lab right? We'll get some hula hoops, right? Be like Hawaii, right? Hey there, Ed here. You may recognize my voice from doing all the other DistroKid advert segments. this time, I didn't want to just do a typical advert talking about stuff to do with DistroKid. I actually wanted to give you my feedback about the service because I genuinely do use DistroKid for uploading my music. And I know Paul does, and it turns out Dan Worrell does as well. I've used DistroKid since 2019. As you can see on the screen, I have six releases so far. It is genuinely super easy to use. The tracks get into Spotify within 24 hours, which is remarkable. Apple Music takes a little bit longer. I'd suggest giving that 10 to 14 days. The hyperfollow links are really useful for advanced promotion of your tracks. And the promo cards are really great visual aids for social media promotion. Ooh, I particularly like that one. DistroKid collect all the royalties from your streaming services. And here you can find an itemized breakdown of where all your income has come from. There's also a DistroKid referral where you can save your friends $10 per sign-up by creating your own VIP referral link. It's an
1: important thing to speak about because I do feel that you know mental health is very important and I think a lot of people cripple themselves, unfortunately, into a lot of debt because they feel like they need to buy stuff. And you know, a lot of people get the bug, and it is a bug. When I got the 500 Series stuff, it was a bug. I started off with the <laughs> Lindell, then it went to the DBX, Substance, and then I'm getting the stuff from Bart. And I did go through a point where I was like thinking about buying the the 500 series Bluey, you know, the one that Black Lion Audio make.
0: Ooh. And I sat back
1: and was like, whoa, Paul, what are you doing? You don't need it, Paul.
0: You don't need it. But I was making myself. I did I did send an email to Sweetwater about trying to get hold of that as soon as it came out. And uh, th- there was no allocated marketing budget for it. So I didn't get and it. No, there's still
1: things that, yes, like I do have that, you know, that kind of kid in me, but it's like, look, who doesn't want a Fairchild, right? Would I probably want like a, a real vintage um, 33609? Yeah, probably. But I don't need it, because again, I've got like the Barts dial bridge compressor, I've got plugins, P compressors that I know sound nearly identical to Analog, he's the best at it. I've got a ton of plugins, and I'm very fu- and even with plugins, again, it's like I think we need to probably have a pause episode. <laughs> Plugin acquisition syndrome, that's a fucking other thing in itself, but You know, it's hard enough, like, having the money to buy gear when you're spending so much money on plugins as well. And I just want people watching this to know that just spend the time on getting good at the craft and learn, 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 and mix and mix and mix with what you've got. And as Ed said, right, over time, try and focus on the weakest link in your chain. Most likely, it's going to be your monitoring, right? So the next time you see that flashy plugin, you're like, "Oh, that's going to make me sound better. Have a look at your setup and go, right, could I spend 100 quid on a new headphone app? Could I spend another 200 quid on getting a better pair of headphones? Could I save money, maybe spend like save money for a year and like make a big purchase on something that's going to, you know, make your um, mixes better? And as normally as you monitoring, it could be better speakers, it could be acoustic treatment in your room. I see a lots of people spending loads of money on analogue gear and expensive speakers and they've got shit treatment in the room, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Just be sensible and just you know, think about what you actually need, not what you want. Gas is a lot about want. You buy stuff because you see it and you go, that looks good. Yeah, and and that's going to make me look a little bit better and a little bit more pro. And I think we've got to stop thinking about pro and just thinking about good, right? Just thinking about, at the end of the day, what does your client get at the end of the day? It's the end mix. As long as your client gets the mix and they go, that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you very much. As a mix engineer, you can walk away, chef kiss and move on to the next one. I'm a little bit different because I might have all, like clients in here, but for most of you mix engineers out there, you can work globally. Nobody needs to see your studio. If <laughs> if you want, you could probably get AI <laughs> to make you a fake studio and nobody's going to be in it. and You can pretend that you've got all this great stuff not that I'm saying you should be like falsifying what you've got, but you know, it happens from time to time. I see engineers, you know, getting the chance to maybe have a day in the studio and their main profile picture is them behind a console when actually they're sitting, they're sitting in their mum's basement mixing on a pair of $100 headphones.
0: Are you referring to me there, Paul, <laughs> with my little day day trips? to? Uh, no, absolutely not. Real world and jelly No, absolutely not. I was not referring road, to you, Ed. Strong rooms. Even
1: though you know, I, I don't even like to speak. Don't know all this I don't week. even like to. Don't know what. Stop it, right? Because you're just making us jealous. Fucking going to Peter Gabriel's studio <laughs> and shit like that. Know what? No, I'm done. Know what? That's that's two weeks on the trot. You have pissed me off, now, Ed. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's me done. Know what? I'm not going to walk out this week, right? I'm not. I'm going. to I'm going to stay dignified. So, right on that
0: ginger bombshell, right. fuck, I would like you. to end it fuck
1: on uh, a. <laughs> <done> it again. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Fuck you.
0: Fuck off. On that bombshell, I would like to end it on a positive note, uh, where if you do need to buy gear, the second-hand market is very buoyant and uh, good quality in the UK. If you go to somewhere like Make Noise Pro Audio, my friend Sam, who runs that, is an absolute character. He's a legend. And if you can't afford the brand-new gear, the chances are he's got gear at Make Noise Pro Audio that he tests manually. I've seen him do it. And you can get secondhand gear that's been maintained, repaired, fully tested, well looked after, sent directly to you. So check out Make Noise Pro Audio. There you go, Sam. Hope you're well. <laughs> uh, and a uh, big shout out to Sam on the podcast. Um, on that blonde bombshell, skills over tools, but the tools do make life fun. That's my attitude. It's been emotional. I don't know why I'm doing this with my hands. See you on the next one. I've no idea what next week's episode's about.